What's good, y'all? My name is Jonathan Dumas, and this is the Real Talk with Dumas podcast, where I have real conversations with the people I see every day because we don't know what we miss until we miss them. And this week, I sit down with my sister-in-law, Robin. She just finished up her first year of college, about to start the second one. She's currently studying psychology, and she's a track athlete. Yes, she is dope. And like many students across the world, she has to do her studies from home. Schools have shut down due to the pandemic. Her first sports season was canceled. She was forced to move back home. I don't think she imagined her first year of college ending on this note. No one did. But she's truly made the most of it. And so I decided to sit down with her. And this was a pretty fun chat. I asked about her first impressions of her sister's black boyfriend. We talk about her growth in the conversation of diversity and inclusion. We talk about mental health and the importance of self-love. It was really a fun, fun conversation. And I'll say this about Robin. She is an absolute gem. She is smart, inquisitive, and a deeply caring person. And I truly valued her perspective as we navigated these conversations and even her desire to like know people, know um, concepts, ideas, theories, and, and really continue to ask that extra question. Plus, she's my sister. Like I said, this was a good conversation. I hope you enjoy it. All right, y'all. Here's my sister. First off, I just did not want Lindsay to date anyone. (laughs) (laughs) I, I just, I thought that her dating someone and having a boyfriend would take away me and Lindsay's relationship. Mm -hmm. And that was a really hard thing to process through. Absolutely. Um, but... I guess my first thought was I'm happy for her Mm -hmm. and as I process more today about implicit bias and just embedded things, the only thoughts that I can think of when I found out that she was dating a black man would be like, oh, does he play basketball? Mm -hmm. Like just those stereotypical things Mm -hmm. um and that a lot of my friends would ask like oh jonathan does he play basketball (laughs) and i'm like yeah Yeah, i do but it's not because i'm black (laughs) exactly exactly um yeah but i i remember the first time meeting you Lindsay brought you to the sushi place with my family Mm -hmm. wore a turquoise shirt and i was like hey okay (laughs) (laughs) turquoise all right y'all so it's significant that I was wearing a turquoise shirt because Lindsay's family is literally obsessed with like loud, bright colors, like in particular like a turquoise or a teal. In fact, Lindsay's all-time favorite color is teal. She has 50 billion earrings that are teal. She has shirts that are teal. She tried to buy teal shoes. It's made its way into our wedding. It's all over our house. It even made its way onto my podcast logo. All right, y'all, back to the combo. No, but I thought you were you were great, and mm-hmm. I was just really happy for Lindsay. Besides the part of getting through a process like with her, because yeah. like I just don't want my sister to go away. Yeah. But it wasn't true. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that then. Yeah. Well, you had mentioned that you feared that you would lose your sister or that relationship. Mm-hmm. Talk to me more about that. Yeah. Um. It was already hard. My sister and I, you know, just like you and Reggie, eight mm-hmm. and a half years apart, about, and. I think we were getting closer as I grew older. Mm-hmm. And so I remember like talking with her when she would come home for Christmas and she would just want to talk with you or on the phone. Yeah. And like going to bed at night hearing her talk to you like in the closet and 
I, I kind of almost just felt left out. Mm-hmm. Um, but until I had a conversation with her, it, it wasn't like you weren't taken away mm-hmm. from my relationship with my sister at all. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it built even more. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. Well, I mean, I think even when I was really serious about becoming a part of this family, yeah. I know that it's not, I, to be honest, I wasn't asking for permission, but mm-hmm. I wanted to let y'all know that I want to be a part of yeah. this family, like the yeah. whole family. Mm-hmm. And so I think when I became definitely like, I knew I wanted to marry Lynn's, mm-hmm. I was like, all right, and this is my sister. Yeah. Like that's, that's for the thing. Sure. And even for my family, um, the first time you step foot in our house, like you are your home yep. like that's the kind of feel mm-hmm. and so I hope that you felt that but I just wanted oh, yeah. to know I I didn't I didn't know that and yeah. and me and Lynn's talked about it a little bit but not a whole yeah. lot that makes sense yeah and I want you to know I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. offended by that I'm actually sorry that you felt that way mm-hmm. um but I hope that you feel oh, included in this but... <laughs> I so feel included Jonathan you are amazing yes yeah, yeah. oh my gosh Big bro, awesome <laughs> Um, in regards to race, you mentioned a little bit about how your perspective has changed, not mm-hmm. just because proximity with me, but, mm-hmm. you know, having Lynn's yeah. always talk about this yes. stuff. Um, how do you feel like your perspective has changed in the last few years? Last few years. I think a lot of blinders have been taken off or yeah, blinders taken off. Yeah. Taken off. Removed, yeah. Removed. Opened up. I don't know. Opened up. <laughs> uh, I, again, going back to the whole good binary race racism perspective Mm -hmm. I always thought racism was about being good or bad Mm -hmm. and over the past few years learning from Lindsay having you in our family learning from both of you having new perspectives just of other people and doing research myself I've realized that racism is so much more than mm-hmm. that and it's systemic and it it just when you realize that my your eyes are just open to so much more mm-hmm. so in that regards the yeah. blinders have been open because of that absolutely i you said something that was interesting to me you said that racism is like you used to think racism was this mm-hmm. good and bad um where do you mm-hmm. think that came from or what is you know right. why did you think of racism as good or bad Honestly, just from growing up, Mm -hmm. I never was taught, like, I was never taught this is, this is racism, Mm -hmm. this is not racism. I, yeah, thinking about it, it's just kind of, it's embedded, I guess. Um, I'm having a hard time articulating this. It's all good. When you say embedded, is it like, um, like for white people specifically, like Mm -hmm. racism means like if you're racist that means you're a bad person and if you're not racist that means you're a good person yeah got you okay yep well that makes sense and i think because it was just never talked about in Mm. school that it was systemic more than a heart issue Mm. and growing up in the church it's like racism is a sin Mm. but there's so much more yeah (laughs) you know to that like you can't just say racism is sin just love people yeah you got to get to the root of things. Yeah. So that's what my eyes have been open to more. And I think I was just taught growing up to push it aside more than dig into it. Mm. And 
just thinking about how my history books are laid out, my teachers, all these little things, or even terms about, like, I live in a sheltered neighborhood or a privileged neighborhood, but it's, like, sheltered from what? Yeah. Like, all these terms that you don't even realize are, Mm -hmm. in a sense, racially coded. Yeah, Yeah. racially coded, and even to, like, how did those neighborhoods become the way that they are? And I think some people, I'll say white people because they're predominantly white mm-hmm. spaces that are look, that look like that they'd be like well we worked hard to get here and mm-hmm. that's true but also um people are working harder mm-hmm. there's a system that was built to keep mm-hmm. um black people out right you know like it's it would be really hard for me mm-hmm. to go into your neighborhood um for me and Lance to go to the neighborhood and they first see me mm-hmm. and i would be like hey i'm looking to buy a home and i would have all the money to do it i would have a yeah. loan ready right and that's even another hurdle in and of itself <laughs> but um I probably, it would be a difficult, like, it would be really hard mm-hmm. for somebody to say, oh, I want to buy this home. And even if they sell it to me, or mm-hmm. sell it to us, we probably would lose some neighbors that were there. They'd be like, oh, this neighborhood's going down, <laughs> you yeah, know? So, sure. um, yeah, and mm-hmm. I don't, you're right. I don't think white people grow up learning mm-hmm. uh, those things. It, it just right. seems um, passive. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems sure. like, oh, like, this is the way it is. And yep. it's like, this is not racist. This is, yeah, <laughs> it's just exactly. the way it is. And it's, you know, just like, no, but that's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, sure. man. Oh, gosh. For, um, yeah. for you, it doesn't seem like you grew up talking about those things. How have your, now that your blinders are open, off, mm. whatever, how have your friendships changed? It's mm. a great question. Um, I would say I still have I'm so close to all the friends who, in a sense, don't see or agree with certain things. Mm -hmm. I think even just now, to this present day, having conversations with my friends, I realize little things differently, as in, like, racially coded terms. Mm -hmm. And I think it's made me rethink friendships, Mm. not, like, dissing them. Yeah, absolutely. But wanting to be in a space where people understand, I guess, and talk about these things and fight for justice. Yeah. And it just, it's it's a humbling experience because Mm. I think about like you and people of color who are in these spaces and it's like it's frustrating when people don't understand and yeah. you know yeah and I've, I've heard you say those things and I'm never gonna understand fully the frustration mm-hmm. but I get a sense of it now. yeah mm. how about with those dynamics of the friends that mm-hmm. are not and I just want to chase this with you because I yes. feel like it's it's so interesting to you because what I know from you relationships mm-hmm. are so important to yes. you friendships are so important to you family is so important to you and so i can imagine now that you know so much more now mm-hmm. and you can't like once you know you can't unknow these things mm-hmm. so for you with all of that um yes. i know that conversations probably are difficult and hard mm-hmm. um so i imagine like the dynamics for your friendships yeah. have drastically changed too mm-hmm. right yeah how do you personally feel Mm. about that it's hard Mm. I 
like you're saying, I'll stay up thinking about it (laughs) (laughs) and just go over it and over it again and again. How it's personally affecting me. I think emotionally it's a little draining because I don't want to, when I have conversations with friends, I don't want to come across like, look at me, I'm right, you know? (laughs) But I want to be able to help challenge them. Mm -hmm. I don't want to come across with pride. Yeah. And when things, this is really, this is a really good question. Oh, I guess it's a, it's a, an emotional balance for me because it's learning how to be assertive and challenging, Mm -hmm. but also I don't want to come across mean or prideful. Mm. Uh, So it's a balance. Okay. I think I I can definitely relate to that feeling of it's, it weighs on me emotionally. Yeah. I'm just Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) I just, I'm an empath. I love, I I feel a lot and even though it might not show, but I like literally carry it in my body. So it's just really, it's really hard to do that Mm -hmm. specifically with like friends and family to like communicate those things like hey that's not right to say or why like let's talk about that more like tell me why you 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 choose to use that phrase or something like that and it's such a learning experience of how to communicate with people Mm -hmm. and like you're saying tell me more yeah (laughs) (laughs) and I think I'm I've been on a process of how can I articulate this like I I know that this is wrong or this is right Mm -hmm. or this is insensitive stuff like that yeah but how can i articulate that to people yeah you know Mm. i don't have an answer for you i i just i literally just have a um i literally just that's my go-to phrase of like tell me more about that phrase like tell me more about um why you're choosing to say say that or say that way or what Mm -hmm. you're thinking behind that typically what will happen is that they'll lead you right into their racist idea like (laughs) ideas or homophobic ideas or whatever so it's interesting it is yeah just uh just uh all the things just learning what have been some questions that have come up for you regarding you know diversity equity inclusion yeah since you started to unpack all this stuff definitely has a big box to unpack (laughs) (laughs) Um, some questions that have come up in the general sense of what is the history of the United States of America? Really? Because history was never a subject that I liked at all. Mm. I just dreaded going to history class (laughs) all throughout elementary, middle school, and high school. Mm. And just the general sense I... I'm really curious about the history Mm. and understanding the things that were not in our history books or even just as I unpack this, um, like the history, I remember learning about the plantations of the colonists, Yeah. but I never learned that those plantations were places of abuse and rape. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So just those little, like... Nuances. Yeah, nuances yeah. of history that you don't learn. Yeah. Enough. It's... And, and and I feel that so much because 
I think <laughs> it's funny because I majored in my undergrad is in history, but I've always like found like key moments of history super interesting mm-hmm. and then we got something that was super boring yeah and i think one of the things that i've learned is that having a good history teacher makes all the difference right. like it, it really does and i can't even i wouldn't even be able to tell you i wouldn't be able to tell you the history teacher that i had that was so impactful i think there are books that I read that mm-hmm. were really impactful mm-hmm. and really made me love and fall in love with the subject. Because I didn't even like my I didn't like my major until second semester junior. Okay. But it's funny because you growing up we talk about black history. It's yeah. only February and then the there's three moments that we talk about. We, slavery slash ending of slavery. Mm-hmm. We talk about the civil rights movement and then we talk about how everything's better now, you know? Right. And uh, we don't talk about the individual, the in between times, um, or even let's see. We to go back off of what you're saying about slavery, mm-hmm. um, on those plantations where people were treated as people were treated as property. Yeah. So those phrases weren't even like that wasn't even covered, and mm-hmm. we didn't like sit in that. Like people right. were treated as property. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and just think about that idea. That's like insane to me. Yeah. You know, and we don't talk about that in history. Exactly. Um, and I had to learn all that after I graduated. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I didn't learn all that stuff. Yeah. And I was a history major wow. in college. I learned all of wow. that after. All right, don't get me wrong, y'all. The big names that we learned about in February, Harriet Tubman, MLK, Rosa Parks, are all important figures. But they're all associated with slavery, like escaping oppression, the civil rights era. And those are very, very important things. We need to know that. But they're all linked to that same common theme. There is no celebrating of black achievement. And there have been some incredible black figures throughout American history that has made America who it is. And I say American history because black history is American history. I'm thinking of Shirley Chisholm, Fannie Lou Hamer, Lewis Howard Latimer, Lonnie Johnson, Jerry Lawson, Kamala Harris. The list goes on. Black people are so worthy to be learned about within U.S. history. So we need to move on past these figureheads, these top people, and branch out into the wonderful achievements that black Americans do. I recommend checking out the Blackish episode, Black History Month. It's on Hulu. It, it does a great social commentary on this subject. All right, y'all. Back to the conversation. So um, speaking of just on the continued path of just like learning and mm-hmm. unlearning, um, you attend a predominantly white institution, a PWI. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that been now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wow. I I like to use the analogy. I was just talking with Lindsay about this today of combing out like you're combing out tangles in your hair. Mm-hmm. You're combing out like the truth and not the truth basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and seeing what is like authentic and what is not. And, you know, I'm kind of a little just unsteady of going back in Mm. the fall. Yeah. To a PWI. I guess because it kind of feels a little bit lonely Mm. being around um, my friends who, I I don't know, it's just... I don't really know how to articulate it all, even with racism, with 
LGBTQ communities, understanding different theologies. There's so many things that I am combing out Mm -hmm. that what I've grown up with to what, what I'm learning at my university. Yeah. And I'm almost like, I'm beginning to see honestly the true picture of Jesus Mm -hmm. and how it relates to all of this. Yeah. Navigating the world. (laughs) Yeah. Literally navigating the world and navigating so many things because I've thought about different, different issues and different issues for so long Mm -hmm. in in a certain perspective. Mm. And now I'm seeing like other sides of things. Yeah. And so coming to coming back to school I think a lot of my friends you know don't have the blessing of you know having a sister who I, I, don't, I don't want to say that but yeah. just learning about this early on I guess mm-hmm. and navigating all those things I don't know yeah. no it, it, it's hard to articulate but I do understand what you're saying yeah. Because it, it's, well, I have two things on that. It's it's um, the true purpose of a liberal arts institution is to not indoctrinate you or spoon feed you answers to like mm-hmm. life's biggest questions. It's mm-hmm. actually to, it's actually preparing you to ask deeper yes. and bigger questions, you know, uh, and expand your mind of thinking and frame of thinking. Mm-hmm. So if you go into an institution and you're like, and you're just, uh, you're going in one way and you're just like, all right, teach me stuff. And they're just sending out print, like, uh, cookie cutter copies of all these different people. Then I don't think that that institution is doing a good job. Mm. You know, that's not actually, mm-hmm. you're not teaching you anything. They're mm-hmm. teaching you how to be a particular type of person. Yeah. Um, a liberal arts education is meant, yeah, I already said it is meant to, you're, you're supposed to deconstruct ideas that you've mm-hmm. grown up with, learn all kinds of different things, take in all kinds of information and then it's up to you to decide who you're going to be and how you're going to tackle mm-hmm. this world, you know? Um, I think in particular, a Christian higher education, um, they have, their, de- depending on the denomination, whatever, whatever, um, mm-hmm. they have particular values and, and things that are embedded in them. Mm-hmm. But the, the same idea is true, that you're meant to ask bigger questions, you're meant to tackle the world. Yeah. Um, with all these things, with the knowledge that you get from all different disciplines. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think right now, you're asking questions that you're learning from the world around you and not necessarily in your school because maybe, I don't know if it's mainly me and Lynn's or some of the information or friends that you have, but I think you, it seems like, and from what I've seen, that you're starting your deconstruction process early because <laughs> mm-hmm. you're questioning a lot more stuff than me and Lynn's did well, I can't say this for Lens, but for me, mm-hmm. um, uh, more so than, you know, before you're even leaving college, like mm-hmm. you're just finishing up, you know, your first year, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, I think you're in a better spot than you think you are. It's mm-hmm. just the deconstruction process is yeah. so messy and it is. all over the place and you never have answers for anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard yeah. not having answers for things. Yeah. Uncertainty is hard to live with. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think in the Christian faith, it's so interesting how we are, 
you grow up. I I didn't grow up in the church, but yeah. just from the friends that I've 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 met and known, that you are taught to have faith and hope, and like what's to come, but Christians walk around like they have all the answers, and that yeah. just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so, it doesn't. Like you're meant to walk. Yeah, yeah. And, and and so I think by you asking questions and even asking questions of your professors and they're just telling you like, well, listen to me because I have all this information <laughs> and just like, I don't know if you're, no. <laughs> I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Does that sound right? I don't know. I don't want to place anything on you about anything, but yeah, that that's a great way to articulate it. Yeah. Just living with that uncertainty and you're navigating the world and going to a Christian institution and growing up, I grew up in the church, mm-hmm. and like you're saying, learning faith and hope and love, and like we have all the answers, but we don't. Mm-hmm. And I remember in 2017 at church, it was for a meeting going to um, Los Angeles for a mission trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned about all the White Saber Conference stuff, <laughs> so there we are, people. White Saber But... Anyway, there was a guy in my group who was, we came back as a group, and he's, he was telling us, like, when we go and encounter these people and talk to them and engage with them, we do not, we're, we're not better than them. Mm. And that has stuck with me ever since then. We are not better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Like, it's. And it, it just has opened my eyes to missions. It's opened my eyes to how we have conversations with people. Mm. It's really it's really cool to see how that has come into play mm. in the past couple of years. Yeah. And not being better than anyone else, mm. but meeting people where they're at. Mm. That's a really powerful statement. I, I Really powerful statement. I feel... Like, if somebody were to have shared that with me a long time ago, that would have saved me so much headaches and hearts <laughs> and saying a lot of stupid stuff. Because mm-hmm. um, it's it's really, really true to understand that when you go on a mission trip or when you're going yeah. to do an outreach or something like that, I just think back to how often I just, you know, I have something to give you and yeah. you need to take this. Right. Yeah, and it has nothing to... No, it it really is a partnership. Yeah. Like where the simple goal is that you know what, I am offering this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I I have food or I have mm-hmm. a good time or music, whatever, and you can take it or leave it and just show up. Just just be you. I just want you to have a good time. Exactly. And for the sake of that person, yeah. And I just think back to how I often have done that more so for the for sake for the sake of myself. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have this thing, and if you don't mm-hmm. take it, you're an idiot. Right. You know. Um, or you're going to hell, and that's yeah. just like it, it's, it's arrogant. It's all these it things. Is. Yeah, it's arrogant. Yeah, you, you know. see a lot of pride in, in it. Yeah, and even like part of my part of my story is, I've I've struggled with anxiety, mm-hmm. and got diagnosed with OCD in last May, mm-hmm. and even seeing that a year later, struggling with obsessive compulsive disorder with the theme of scrupulosity mm-hmm. and faith and being right with God. Yeah. It's so contradictory yeah. to what faith is. Mm. And I I just wonder how 
my upbringing has played a role into that. Mm. And yeah, the whole aspect of loving people where they're at, not yeah. giving and you have to take it yeah. and stuff like that. Um, can you just define um, that S word you said? I don't even know how to say scrupulosity. Scrupulosity. Oh, okay. Yes. What, what is that? What is that? It is um, a theme of OCD and it is, um, I don't even know how to fully articulate it myself. It's basically extremely attentive to details, mm. but it's attentive to details regarding faith. Got you. Okay. So, examples would be obedience, like the word obedience, like being obedient to God or else. Mm. That type of thing. Is it a tape that runs in your in your head, or things that you of things that you've heard in the past, or just things that you you believe internally? Mm. Does that make sense? A little bit of both. Okay. Because I remember a lot of like upbringing in the church about hearing God's voice and if you don't hear God's voice if you don't follow God's voice then your whole life is in shambles yeah so those little stories played a role hmm. anyways I don't no, know I, so I, you don't I, have to get no that's fine <laughs> no I no I I just I when you said that I just started hearing multiple stories Mm-hmm. not in my own life, but like the Bible stories that I've heard or, yeah. or sermons that I've heard or whatever teachings that I've heard or even te- sermons that I've given. Uh, it just, yeah. it makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, I, no, I feel so sorry for the people that have heard me preach um, before when I was a pastor mm-hmm. of some of the things that I have shared mm-hmm. and it was so condemning and it wasn't nuanced and it was, it was just like a, a binary of like, you need to do it this way or you like, mm-hmm. that's it. Like, you ain't, you ain't got it and mm-hmm. even hearing your story i'm just like i could i probably i definitely did like mess yeah. some folks up some people need to hit me up for like to pay at least for one <laughs> therapy session you know what i'm saying yeah because it does take a lot to unlearn those things yeah for sure um and there's a whole mental aspect of it too absolutely like how your brain is wired mm-hmm. let's talk about this because i i know i have not been clinically diagnosed with like anxiety mm-hmm. or depression but i've definitely had like my bouts mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes when you're sharing, I'm like, oh my God, I relate to that so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it re- depression, anxiety, like it really does feel like you're just, just running around running. in a circle and you yeah. cannot get off this stupid track of like a thought or a mm-hmm. feeling. Um, so how has that played out, you know, being diagnosed with OCD, um, mm-hmm. played out, you know, and you touched on it a little bit, mm-hmm. played out with what you've been navigating with race mm-hmm. and the like in the last couple months even i my first thought is wanting wanting things to feel 100 percent right or be 100 percent certain on things and that honestly is you know kind of anxiety that is anxiety wanting to feel certain about something yeah and wanting to get off this track of running around all these thoughts but I need to be certain about something and feel 100% right before mm-hmm. I stop running or stop running around these thoughts. So in regards to what I'm learning and navigating today, I find myself wanting to to feel 100% about something. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, I'm never going to feel 100% about something. And mm-hmm. it's learning to live in the uncomfortability Hmm. and learning to 
like, just realize that I'm not going to have it all figured out. I'm never going to have it all figured out. Or I'm always, I'm going to mess up. Yep. Like, I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. So I think that's the biggest thing with anxiety and the OCD compulsions that I have. Um, just wanting to grasp for certainty. Yeah. And I think, like, I'll go to close people to find reassurance. But part of navigating the world and at this age in life and college is, you know, deciding for yourself. Mm. So. What is something that you're telling yourself every day? Mm. You know, I just thought about that this morning. (laughs) (laughs) When I woke up, I said, what am I telling myself today? (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) That's a really good question. Um, I think it's more negative right now than Mm. positive. But the story I want to tell myself is what I'm learning is enough. Mm. And everything is a process and there's grace along the process Mm. um i'm not perfect i don't know just kind of that narrative yeah telling myself yeah so you mentioned that you're mainly negative right now yeah what are those what is that thought like what are those negative negative thoughts like what does that tape sound Mm. like in your head yeah um that i'm always just gonna be confused about everything, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> uh, yeah, that I'm going to be confused and not know what to decide mm. or what step to take. Mm. Is that scary? Mm-hmm. What is, like, the most scary part about that? Um, like, what is that, that fear of not yeah. being able to communicate? I think because I want to be understood. Mm. Yeah. I think I want people to understand mm. about certain things. Yeah. So you and the things that you're communicating. Yeah. Mm. It's like this big weight, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So when you feel that, what is the process for you like to take that negative tape out? And to place it with the tape that you want to listen to. Like the positive thoughts that you mentioned earlier. Mm. First thing is breathing. Mm. Taking four deep breaths. And that helps me just refocus. Um, And then I will just tell myself the story like it honestly it sucks because you just want someone to do it for you but you gotta do it yourself absolutely yeah so I think that and doing other things like learning Mm -hmm. reading running yeah eating maybe yeah (laughs) (laughs) don't want to stress eat yeah I think breathing has been some of like most helpful things that I've learned to do I'm glad that that's been super helpful for you Mm mm-hmm Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I appreciate thank you. that. Oh my gosh. What would you tell your senior year self? Like I know that you were doing so much stuff and asking a lot oh, of like questions. Oh, like senior year in high school? Yeah, senior year of high school. Like what would you oh, tell yourself now? That it's going to be okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that time that when you and Lindsay were over here when I graduated. Yeah. Well, that's when you brought up the whole breathing technique mm. and 
I remember you told me, like, that it doesn't look like it's going to be okay or something, but mm-hmm. it will be okay. Yeah. What is that quote? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be, all, everything's going to be all right. Yeah. It's not, it's not all right right now. Yes. But it will be all right. Yes. Yeah. That. And just, like, holding on to that. Mm-hmm. And that's what hope is, right? That's what yeah. faith is. You mentioned earlier, like, about <laughs> um, encouraging yourself and some- yeah. how it's so difficult and hard. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people underestimate that. Mm-hmm. And I've said this to so many people before, but, like, sometimes mm-hmm. I literally have to look at myself in the mirror. <laughs> yeah. And I have to tell myself, like, you are mm-hmm. handsome, you are smart, mm-hmm. your idea is great. Yeah. You got this keep going you're gonna do fantastic hey this day is yours <laughs> and, and sometimes i had to tell Lindsay to do that and it sounds right. like for some folks it sounds so ridiculous right. <laughs> it just sounds so ridiculous but i am an advocate of like you have to believe in yourself mm-hmm. and then other people will start like other people believe in yeah. you but like if if you don't believe in yourself and other people believe in you like it's just kind of hard to get over yeah. that hump because yeah you have to make the decision to get out of bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. You have to make the decision to keep going. It's an internal thing. Like, you just have to push through. And mm-hmm. those are some of the things. That's the mantra I could tell myself. Yeah. Nice. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm so proud of you. I always brag on my little sister because mm. you're worth bragging about. <laughs> um, and you honestly have been a trooper through all this. I cannot imagine mm-hmm. what it, being a co- freshman college student during covid i cannot <laughs> imagine it at all it, it gets so much better so yeah. i'm telling you thank you this is ridiculous yeah and going back to the whole thing like in the beginning of when you and Lindsay first started dating mm-hmm. and all that yeah it was hard at first but i'm so thankful for you yeah. and that you're in our family hey i love being here yes it's, it's been great just for <laughs> all of you and Best big bro. Oh, so, so cute. Right. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. You're welcome. Um, yeah, I love you. I do. All right. Thanks, bro. Right. And that's my sister Robin. One of the things that I always tell her is that she is much more aware than she gives herself credit for. She's constantly reading and learning and growing. You can definitely tell in that episode. But I know all of that work, all of the effort that she's putting in comes from a place of really wanting to best love the folks around her. I so appreciate that about her. We talked through some pretty hard stuff in this episode, and she reminded me of something that I taught her and I always forget to do, and that's to breathe. When life is completely overwhelming, just breathe. Things are out of control, just breathe. When every option has been exhausted and still no change, just breathe. You know, because sometimes breathing, taking a breath, four seconds in, four seconds out, is the only thing that we can do to get us to the next moment. Remember, y'all, everything might not be all right right now, but it's going to be all right soon. This podcast was produced by myself, Jonathan Dumas, with music by Tony Deras. And if you like what you heard, please like, subscribe, and leave a review on wherever you're listening to your podcast. Share it with people. It really, really helps. And if you want to stay up to date on things that are going on with the pod, maybe a live event, perhaps, a newsletter. Oh, who knows? I don't know. Just tossing it out there. You can follow me on Instagram at RTWD Podcast. That is RTWD Podcast on Instagram. All right, y'all. Till next time. Peace.